Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right, it's another film study. We're packing a lot into this week because there's a lot of excitement. I know we're all excited. You're all excited. Ken, you ready for Saturday night? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm, I'm good. Can't even get you a little bit more excited for Saturday night other than I life's am, good. I am unbelievably excited about Saturday night. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know, Maureen and I had our, our anniversary tonight, second anniversary, and, and uh, we wanted to look at a little bit of video of Andre Smith Despite the fact it's our anniversary, but that's the, that's the a good woman. Isn't that what everyone does on their anniversary? Yes. <laughs> so, I, and uh, joining us tonight is Cole Jackson from Russell Street Report. Cole, how you doing? Good, buddy, and congratulations, Ken. I know uh, if I suggested watching film on my anniversary, I'd probably get yelled at. So, <laughs> good kudos point. to you, my man. You, go. <laughs> you got a good one. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see. We, big, big story, obviously, in the last 24 hours, actually probably in the last less than that, is the Ravens picking up Andre Smith. And this is Andre Smith. It's the same Andre Smith. You remember from a hard knocks, which seems like maybe it wasn't that long ago, but it was actually 2009. who was the number six overall pick. Came to camp out of shape, 
late as a holdout. Uh, actually was made fun of in the rookie show for his ridiculous workout routine that he was doing with, uh, with a, a side uh, guy to stay in shape. And, uh, you know, honestly, it's been a, a pretty big disappointment in his career with the, with the Bengals. Uh, actually, I believe the entire time with the Bengals. I didn't look at this. He's certainly with the Bengals here. I don't believe he ever left. And uh, he, he was playing a little bit this year at left tackle, not his traditional right tackle position where he played most of his career. So, Cole, first of all, what are your thoughts on Andre Smith, his career up until 2019? Let's start with that. Well, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, when he came out, uh, he had a lot of promise, uh, mostly for his run blocking. I think many considered him in the 2009 draft as the best run blocking offensive tackle. So natural fit on the right side. But it took him until 2011 to lock down a starting job, which for, I mean, to compare Ronnie Stanley was same level of pick. Imagine it took him three years to, to actually be able to start, let alone play at a high level and um i mean one thing to look at with smith is kudos to him 2012 2013 um he did have very good years like very solid years on the right side um i, I don't think he sniffed a snow or a pro bowl but uh he definitely played well and then injuries started to hit him he did have two stints outside of cincinnati uh 2016 in minnesota and 2018 in arizona in arizona um, but going back to the Bengals um, in between those. So he's done three stints with the Bengals now, and the being on the left side this year has just been an absolute disaster for him. So, um, I mean, he, he finally got it together, and then the injury bug bit him, and he kind of went downhill. Lots of things in 2019 that have not gone right for Andre Smith, but I think it's it's maybe instructive. We've We've had a lot of negative commentary about Ben Powers here in Baltimore about what it means for him to be inactive for all these weeks. So we're going to talk about that a little bit some later, but I think Powers actually answered a lot of the questions about his inactivity in terms of his last game with a, with a fine performance. And it really appears more of what the Ravens are trying to do is positional in nature to make sure their seven linemen that are active for any week would have minimal disruption to the line if they had someone go down. And in Smith's case, the, Information is a lot more serious, many more counts in this indictment than uh, than there are with power. So let me just go over this briefly here. Smith started the year as the left tackle for the Bengals in weeks one through five. He also played there briefly in week 10. Um, he was inactive in week six and week seven. He did not play in week eight. Yet another did not play in there. And in week six, he lost his job to the great John Jerry. Now, the great Joe Jerry has been mentioned as a guy who has once had 27 carries as a quarterback and the last guy to, to do that before Lamar. This is this is John Jerry, the, the current uh, Cincinnati Bengal. And why wouldn't they play him at left tackle? Because he's a 33-and-a-half-year-old guard. Oh, what a disaster for him. Yeah, I'm just taking a look right now. Uh, I mean, it's one of the metrics we can take a look at uh, for pro football focus. Um, they they hit him with a 58.7 pass block and a 46 run block for the 2019 season. So when you're that's best Smith, drag, right, Jerry, right? That's, that's Andre Smith. Smith, yeah. And that's over 254 snaps, and like you covered it, it's infrequent mix-ups throughout the weeks. So anyway, Cordy Glenn came back in Week 12, and he's had the left tackle position since. Uh, there hasn't been any any suggestion that Smith would move to right tackle, and in fact. He was released after a couple of did not plays, a couple of inactives 
uh, after week 11 before, sorry, maybe it was after week 12, but it was on 1130. They released him and he did not return. So he's playing behind some guys who are absolutely terrible. Bobby Hart, we did not mention, has been the right tackle, has been one of the most penalized tackles in football, an absolutely awful player the last couple of years. And Andre Smith is not able to take his spot at right tackle, his old spot with the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, like it just shows his performance this year since coming back from from the Cardinals. He's not even a replacement level player. Um, no, no business. If he's playing in a game for us, we're we're in trouble. I think that's uh, that's fair enough. He's been penalized four times this year, two offensive holds and two false starts. Hard to do this, but all four of them resulted in stalled drives. So the, 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 that series of downs was not completed for a first down in any of those four cases. Uh, I remember Jeremy Zuda had a year like that one year where he went six for six in terms of stalled drives. But the entire Ravens offensive line has stalled something like four drives all year. So the fact that he had four by himself is an indication, obviously, of a bad offense, but uh, but uh, also bad uh, individual play. So. I think we're at a point where we agree and we don't need to do too much review of his actual play. What I did see from the from the Seattle game, I saw a very upright player who is ponderously slow with his feet, has tremendous difficulty with any kind of movement uh, to, to beat him with speed, and uh, is vulnerable both inside and outside. Can you tell me anything at a broad level that you saw? Uh, the big thing for me was mostly the way he'd stand up. He uh, he kept losing the guy on his his inside hip, so all they had to do was really beeline it from. They I, I saw a lot of ends moving out to more of like a wide nine setup just to take that angle on him, and he just doesn't have the footwork to to kick out to to touch him. So you're, you're right. The biggest thing for him was speed, and that's always been his downfall, which was shocking that they'd even try him on the blind side when uh especially when andy dalton's back there and then they had uh can't think of his name ryan finley was yeah um uh, it, it was that that was a truly puzzling thing for me was why would you even put him on the left side when when he was in his heyday he didn't play on the left side for you but i think that speaks to the Bengals just not having their stuff together this week or this year and that's why they have the first overall pick there you go. And he certainly helped them get it. Uh, so this leaves the Ravens in an interesting situation here. Now, we know who the Ravens' starting five linemen are, so I don't think we have to re- review that. But a lot of people maybe have not been following all year long and know exactly who the Ravens have got as their four offensive line reserves, which they usually, from which they usually activate two. So James Hurst has obviously played some time at left tackle, so people know him. Uh, ben Powers, people have been excited to see, and he finally got activated for the first time in Week 17, played pretty well. Ronis Grassou has been a backup center. He played one game at guard last year. He's played two snaps this year as a sixth lineman, but uh, otherwise has not uh, seen action. And then I, I think that's true. I, I'd have to look back and make sure he didn't have a short stint as a, in relief. And then the fourth is, of course, now Smith after uh, Ed, Parker Edinger uh, went to IR this week. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing there is uh, a lot of the talk about Andre Smith from the Bengals organization, or sorry, not from their organization, from their fans, was when he started having those injury problems and he slowed down, people wanted to see him get kicked inside. But it's 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 shocking to me that he hasn't really had a stint as a guard, despite you know being a bigger, more physical guy with slower feet. You'd think that that usually lends to a natural transition to the inside if you're struggling. So. 
given this is very the reason I'm bringing this up is it's very similar to Parker um, and his history when he came out of out of college he was a bigger tackle a more physical run blocker and he got kicked inside by teams because he didn't have the foot speed to to be able to pass block on the outside I I okay a lot of times when I ever hear a tackle guard swing man I basically I don't want a tackle who has to play guard that's like having a starting pitcher who has to really who would be better in long relief and you have move him there. And it doesn't mean he'd be a good short reliever. It doesn't mean you ever want him in high leverage situations. It just means you don't want him as one of your four, you know, four or five rotation starters, whatever you're, whatever you're planning to do. Smith, if the way I see him play, his slowness of foot is too slow for a guard. I, I Even climbing to level two would be ponderous in nature. And the notion of him pulling is almost comical at this point in his life. Yeah, no, that that's very true. I'm more reflecting on when he was with the Bengals um, in the 2016 plus uh, uh, years where they didn't move him inside. But um, I don't know. I th- I think on pulls you definitely wouldn't want him. But in pass pro where he doesn't have to get as lateral, he mm-hmm. could probably hang okay with the foot speed. But no, in, in the Ravens scheme when. You know, if we're running some some zone and he's got a combo block into the, into level two, he's going to struggle. But I, you can make the same argument if they're running any outside zone, he's going to struggle to to get out in space from the tackle position too. So I guess it really just speaks as an indictment of him as a player. That I mean, you don't really want anyone with that type of foot speed at any spot on your line. Not right. in today's game where we're especially with with the with the pace we have. Uh, you know, running some of the option plays and, you know, guys got to get out and use the hesitation from the defenders to make plays. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it is very much. You got that little bit of hesitation in the mesh point, but part of that is by design to try and let those double teams play out and allow those combination blocks to to get set before you you uh, you know, you release Ingram into the middle or you release you release Jackson to the edge. So i you know, I, I'm. I look at this. I I understand they they want to move for tackle depth. I don't really think this does it. I I would have gone younger, and even more unproven, and taken a chance in that direction rather than pick up a player like Andre Smith. It just doesn't. It really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, I think it speaks a little bit. Uh, I joined your pod right around uh, the end of the off se- season before the season started, and we were talking about this was one of the risks of, of letting Sanat go is if we had injuries on the line, we had a guy that was a young developing guy. Um, I know we tried to stash him, stash him on practice squad, but I knew as soon as he went on, he wasn't going to last, but mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the, we've kind of put ourselves in this position. I mean, we're still two injuries away from having to put Andre Smith in an actual game. You know, we'd have to lose both Stanley or Brown and then Hurst as the backup or both starters before he'd actually be in. But, uh, you know, it, it is very much an insurance move in case there was an injury this week. Um, but I do think the the risking putting Sonat on practice squad put us in this position and from a depth perspective. <clears throat> I mean, I'm in the same spot on Sonat. I was a lot higher on him. I, I thought, you know, part of why, what I liked about Sonat just that it was that he was a small school prospect and i know how well scouted those are by DaCosta's regime and not only did they use a seven on the pick they used a six so they really thought they had something here to go to a wagner left tackle and go get him 
And, he, you know, physically, he looks the part. He's got really nice feet. He moves around well. He's tall. He's long. He's got everything you'd want physically in the position. Didn't look great, certainly at times in the preseason. And he did look okay at other times. But, uh, but you know, that's it's often the case with rookie offensive linemen. I just think you're much more likely to get a positive surprise from a Greg Sinat than from an Andre Smith. No, definitely that, and that that's it. I mean, you're looking at Sonat and you see a, you see a project, but he has he's young and he has that room to grow. When we're looking at Andre Smith, I mean, he's a he's a broken down piece, right? That you know, maybe 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 you're gonna get a couple of games of super average play, but you know, there's there's no ceiling there. But with with Sonat, there's at least a ceiling to consider. And if you're putting him in a game, you're you're thinking of that. Like here's a chance for him to develop. Okay, so let's let's look forward at where the Ravens are right now. And I thought one exercise to go through would be who do the Ravens replace if it with if they get an injury at each of the five positions? So I think most of these are pretty easy. And they really lend us to only two obvious backup players active during the during the uh, playoffs. So at left tackle, if if Stanley were to go down, I think they do what they already did this year, which is put Hurst in. Are we in agreement? Yeah. yeah. All right. At left guard, if if Bozeman goes down, who's the replacement? So just to confirm, are we talking about in game or if there was an injury this week and they were planning for the next week so that Let's, they could? T- tell me how you how you'd structure it exactly. If you have two different answers. So, I mean, I, I fully expect Hurst and Grassu to be active this week. So if there if he went down, I would think Hurst would get the first kick at left guard. Um, but that 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 brings up the interesting debate. Do you risk putting Hurst in at left guard? And then if one of your tackles goes down, you have to insert Grassu for Hurst and then hit kicked Hurst outside. So that's kind of where you get into the interesting debate. Uh, but I, I think I'd be I'd be thinking Hurst because of the experience he's had at left guard in the past. But uh, I'm curious what you think of uh, of how you do that. Okay, well I think there's reasons not to play Hurst at guard that go beyond that. I mean, obviously Hurst's last performance at guard was very poor, and he was hurt, we think, at the end of the 2018 season. Obviously, the playoff game is the worst game I've ever scored by by alignment. Uh, so that's that's a serious indictment of his ability to go back there and play decently. But I think that uh, there's also a reason not to risk injury to Hurst if he's your only reasonable backup tackle option. So you'd prefer not to have him play at all unless it's at tackle. So I think I, I and this is the direction I thought you were going. I think it would be Grassou to play out the game, and I think Powers would be active the next week as the starting left guard. That's why I raised that at the start. Is that would be exactly what I'd do. So I'd you'd have a replacement for that game, but then going into the next week would be would be Ben Powers as the. And I think that brings up the uh, it brings up the whole active debate versus why do you activate a player and mm-hmm. even though they're higher on the depth chart technically and it speaks to the positional flexibility right so that's that's your point about Grassou is that because Grassou can be a backup of two positions it means that they only have to make one change in order to f- slide him into the offensive line at either center or guard exactly and powers is limited to just playing one of the guard positions all right. So at center, I think we I think it's pretty clear now going across the line here. If McCary went down, that it would probably be Grassou and not an attempt to move no. Bozeman because that's all of their activations the whole season. It basically said we're keeping Bozeman at guard. We don't want to move him. 
Yeah, and I think uh, that was something I discussed because there was a lot of people down on Powers when uh, he wasn't getting activated, but people need to, or sorry, when Makari was getting activated over Powers when Matt Skura was he- healthy. But you got to remember that uh, just a lot of people said, no, Powers should be in. They would slide Bozeman over. But from a coaching perspective, you need to consider that if you slide Bozeman over to center and insert a new guy at left guard, you now technically have two new players in the game, even though Bozeman was already in there, moving him to a different position. That's a hard thing to prep for. You're prepping for two positions, you know, in a very short week. Everything Bozeman's prepared for is is at guard, and now, you know, he's he's, he's at center where he has a lot of a lot of responsibility. Like a Yonda can help with line calls and stuff, but I think people don't really understand how much that is to ask of a starter to to be sliding out. And it's the same thing with Marshall Yonda. Um, he has played tackle in the past, and he's so good he could play anywhere on the line. But you know he's going to be at his best at right guard, so it's best to try and leave him where he is. Right, I'm I'm in agreement. I think there is probably a possibility that if oh, there's certainly a possibility. If the Lombardi is hoisted this year, Yonda rides off into the su- sunset and Powers would be the right guard beginning the 2020 season. Now, I'm hoping that doesn't occur. I'm hoping Marshall Yonda still gives the Ravens a couple of years, but uh, but it's definitely a possibility. You can't, can't deny it. Yeah, and I think we've seen from Powers that uh, he's probably a better fit at, at right guard. He, he's, he, he, he makes up for his lack of... Uh, speed into the second level with the angles he takes. I think he's a really smart and savvy player. But, uh, you know, with the amount of pulls that we've seen Bozeman make going to the right side, it's probably best that Powers is the right guard and we have Bozeman who's shown he can make those pulls at left guard. It's funny. I mean, one of the most ponderous players coming out of the draft a couple of years ago, Bozeman now is a fairly mobile left guard in the NFL, and we're, we're kind of excited about it. We're reasonably mobile anyway. I mean, think about the development, though. Like, uh, my, and, and I don't mean just development from year to year, but from week to week. Yes. Um, he got danced around a few times uh, in the early. There was a stunt in one of the first few weeks. I think it was the Chiefs. And he just completely missed the stunt, and he had no foot speed to kick back and get there. And he just got blown by, and the guy got a sack on Lamar. But, uh, I mean, last few weeks, he looks phenomenal. It's I've never seen such development in season from a guy playing kind of a move position that didn't play to his strength. You know, moving to guard where he has to, you know, get out in space a little bit more shouldn't be working for him, but it is. I, I think it's a it's a testament to him, his, uh, his work ethic, and also to uh, Coach DeLandris. So seven, uh, seven games he's had in a row of a B or better, by as I've graded him, and they've been extremely consistent games where on the pre-adjustment basis – the worst he had was a C plus at the very top point of the, of the C range. He had all three, I had them for three and two thirds sacks. All of them occurred in the first six weeks of the season. He hasn't given up any sacks since then. He's given up some pressures and he's given up some quarterback hits, but that's normal. You are supposed to give up some when you're, when you're an offensive lineman. I made a very high percentage of his polls, including 12 out of 15 in the last game. I've just been tremendously impressed with the way he's grown. And uh, we've uh, he, he's the kind of player we'd love to have on the show sometime. Uh, it, we had Matt Skura on. We had Bozeman. We'd love to have Bozeman on the, in the 
in the same vein. I think he'd be a great guest to talk about uh, how the coaching has gone and, and uh, you know, what's what's turned the light on for him. And actually, I thought Bozeman played better last year than he did the first few weeks of this year. Yeah, and that was at guard as well, too, right? I yeah, all guard. all guard. Yeah, so I think that's it's been very interesting to watch him uh, watch him go. And Matt Skura, before he took over as the starting center, um, played left guard or right? I think played right guard in, in relief of Yonda when he got hurt in, I was like, 2017. But, uh, and again, I believe Skura came away with pretty good reviews from you as well, if that's correct, when he played guard. Skura did okay at guard. He's he's done better now at center, and yeah. and uh, particularly this year, he's made a. It's Skura's made a a, a a a step forward each of his seasons, which is what I really liked about him. And and you know he's a third year player, who you're we've actually come to think about should should we extend him? Is he a player that has divisible benefit on the table, and does it would it make sense to extend him? And the injury I think is gonna is gonna put the kibosh on that, and and maybe also McCarry's play, but it it, it would be. Not he would not have been a bad choice to extend before this um, this problem occurred, and and hopefully that's that'll be a pretty clear lesson to players who are after year three heading into year four. And I'm looking at you, Chuck Clark, to, to think about is there some divisible benefit you should be giving up in terms of expected total contract value a year from now versus contract value this year to get that security and that hedge against the risk of injury and whatnot. Yeah, just to go go to back to Skura. They have a big benefit with him. He's a restricted free agent. And they can give him a second round tender. So either they're getting, I think his contract as an RFA would come out around two million, which is dirt cheap for a starting center. Yeah, it'd be three um, million and change. Just to be three clear. million and change. Yep. And uh, if someone gave up a second for him, well, you're getting a second round pick for Skura, and you have Makari as kind of the 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 guy that's played well. And I think we could probably trust going into next year. I, I don't think he's played as well as Skura was at the beginning of the year, but, um, and again, talking about a guy that's moved positions, we're talking about a tackle from, from when he was at, at Cal and he's completely switched positions just last off season to center. And the, the growth has been tremendous. I, I uh, when we signed him, I went back and watched quite a bit of his Cal film and as a tackle prospect, that could be a swing to tackle. I was pretty impressed. So when he started taking snaps at center, it was, uh, I thought it was a bit of an interesting move, but it's really paid off for them. Yeah. Did he face any guys in the film you watched that were six, four, six, five and up and clearly would have had an arm length advantage on him? Is that is Yeah. So yes. Uh, the kid out of, uh, Oregon, um, I think he went like the sixth round Jalen Jelks, I believe. Um, long-limbed speed guy but uh i mean speaking of savvy angles he he did this really interesting move where he'd really kind of he just he, he understood his limitations and he'd really work to ride the inside hip and try and just push them out the back of the pocket and so for these guys that were kind of speed trying to bend the edge he would just run them right out of the pocket rather than um, you know, trying to reach on them and giving them that leverage advantage. So he would kind of do what a shorter limb boxer would do and yes, try and exactly get side on them. Yeah, it's the exact it's same. Concept. Frazier versus Ali, and you know when it when it works, he can he can get inside. He can be great, but exactly. Uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> funny. That's that analogy is just perfect. 
So on the right side, I think we're gonna we're gonna just finish this up. I think the answer would be the same that on the on the finish the game basis, it would be Grasso for Yanda at right guard, and on the continue the next week, it would be Powers for Yanda, and then at right tackle, same idea. If anything were to happen to Orlando Brown, it would be a Hurst uh, going forward for the foreseeable future. Yeah, with all I guess it going into the next week, Andre Smith being probably active as the as the tackle. Back very scary very scary yeah. Yeah. but 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 i mean uh, here's a good takeaway you're still two injuries away from him being in the game so i that's, mean that's let's let's look at the bright side right <laughs> so okay well fair enough uh cole where can people find your work uh so you can find me at russell street report and on twitter at cole jackson rsr always happy to interact with fans uh i write the coordinator coordinator series over there where we break down the offensive scheme for the ravens try and do uh, quite a bit of film in the articles show the play calling that sort of thing so uh, i do that with michael crawford uh ac slade and uh our good friend josh who does uh all of our analytical work all right is, is Deb pantry involved in that or was he involved originally at one time or I've been trying to get him, but like he's uh, he's he's just been really busy with uh, with his personal life. We've been uh, talking about doing uh, basically the same thing we do, but charting the plays run against our defense to get an understanding of uh, you know what runs we're stopping well. Which uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet that came out about Derrick Henry, where uh, or about the Ravens, sorry, running against outside zone. They've actually been quite good against outside zone on an average so kind of having that information readily available so that when we're looking at a matchup or a team that does something really well we can kind of say how the well they've done it in the past so um i'm trying to get dev to, to work on that so <laughs> all right he's a good guy all those are and uh uh wonderful so uh give cole a follow on twitter he's a he's a definitely a good interesting follow and you'll get uh, into some good conversations i'm sure if you do uh, Cole, anything else before we let you go? No, that's great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I love joining you. And as always, I'm sure we could talk about the offensive line all night. <laughs> all right. Take it easy, man. Thanks a lot, fellas. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Josh, do we have any mailbag questions? Here? I mean, you guys, the, the mailbag questions were uh, offensive line and, and what you would determine on how many to activate. It was a lot of questions you guys already got into. Okay. So enough. I think it's all right. But, um, we do have one more podcast coming out this week. Do you want to give a quick plug to that before we get out of here, Ken? Uh, absolutely. We, we did a, uh, a podcast t- today with a, uh, a fan who's very knowledgeable. It's, a, it's one of the short series, and it's exactly what we're looking for. So if people will listen to this. Uh, young man, great fan, former, former high school coach. He'd done a little bit of uh, work writing for the Ravens at one point right out of school. And uh, he had an interesting idea about how the 2019 Ravens are like the 2013 Seahawks. And I'll let you listen to the thing before you dismiss the idea completely. But uh, anyway, very well-spoken, excellent points he makes, and a a very worthwhile pod. All right, and that'll be out by Friday morning. So, All right, guys. Well, uh, enjoy continuing countdown into Saturday night.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.